So as I dug in this week in preparation on this topic of prayer, I began to think back to um, earlier in my life when I was just beginning following the Lord and I was thinking about prayer in my life at that point and the different words that I first remember regarding, you know, around prayer. And I remember hearing prayer when I first started serving the Lord, and it was like the next thing that I heard was prayer closet. Okay? Prayer closet. And so I knew a little bit about prayer, but I didn't know about prayer closet. But I know about closets. And I thought, man... You know, they didn't do any favors to prayer by putting the word closet next to it, did they? They didn't. Think about a closet. Typically smallish, dimly lit, man-made, kind of claustrophobic. Shoes, clothes. Who in the heck wants to go pray in a closet, right? I mean, that's what I was thinking. Who wants to go pray in a closet? I mean, we get to... The opportunity to pray and fellowship with the creator of all living things, of all of the beauty of the world. And you're telling me i got to go in a closet to do it? Of course, I grew and learned. And obviously, I, I understand that when people reference prayer closet, I, I know what they're talking about. But then, but then I thought about prayer closet more, and it took me down this wormhole of Google research, <laughs> and it took me down this wormhole of what we refer to as Christianese. Anybody ever heard of Christianese? So in Christendom, evidently, there's a language, okay, of Christianese. So I went down this wormhole of research on Christianese, and I, well, one, I was amazed at what I found. But free of charge to you tonight, I put together a list of what I think, you know, my top seven or eight Christianese words that I pulled off the site and that actually I've said some of these and I've said some of them pretty frequently and you're going to be guilty too, okay? All right, so here, here is the, my top eight or so of Christianese words, okay? Alka-Seltzer Christian. Alka-Seltzer Christian, and it, and it has a definition, I'd never heard of that before. Anybody ever heard of Alka-Seltzer Christian? Alka-Seltzer Christian. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Alka-Seltzer Christians are all fun and games until they disappear without a trace. Alka-Seltzer Christians. Catholic light. All the religion with half the guilt. Catholic light. Never heard of that. For those of you with... Uh, more of a Baptist upbringing. Don't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls who do. Come on now. Let your giggle box be released a little bit tonight. Don't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls who do. Or the names of God. We, we know Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Rapha. Maybe you've heard of Jehovah Sneaky. But then also, I ne never heard of this one. There's a Jehovah Nicotine. Because God always evidently shows up in the nick of time. Jehovah nick of time. Bible translations. NIV. How many of you got an NIV in your hand? Yeah, raise them real high and proud. Okay, raise them real high and proud. Okay. NIV. 
the nearly inspired version. I mean, just, just nearly. I mean, it just almost got there to where it was inspired. Or some of these that we say, put out a fleece before the Lord, or I see that hand, or I have an unspoken, or my favorite of them all, sloppy agape. Anybody heard of sloppy agape? Stay far, far away from anyone that gives you sloppy agape, okay? We don't have room for that type of brotherly love. Prayer, prayer closet. That's the topic tonight. The title of the sermon I have for you is this. You have a seat with the king. You have a seat with the king. My sermon in a sentence tonight is this. You have an open invitation to talk with the creator about creation whenever you would like. You have an open invitation to talk with the creator about creation whenever you would like. We have a seat with the king, an open invitation to talk with the creator about creation whenever we would like. Creation, anything that's on your heart and mind, anything goes. He created it all. And we have this seat before him, this open invitation. A great question to ask ourselves is this. What keeps me from just salivating at the opportunity to talk creation with the creator? What keeps me from just salivating at the opportunity to talk creation with the creator? When Tony was preaching a few weeks back on this topic of prayer, in the middle of when he was preaching, I just, I just felt the Holy Spirit uh, just kind of lead me. And I asked myself, Marvin, why do you love to pray? Why do you love to pray? I, I, I personally, I enjoy praying. Now, I, I'm not on my knees four or five hours a day, if that's what you think loving praying is. But I, I love to pray in different settings, different venues, different people. I really enjoy prayer. But instantly, I had this answer in my spirit. I love to pray because I love God. I love to pray because I love God. But I realized that many people love God and don't really enjoy praying. It's evident. If you call a prayer meeting this coming Monday morning at 6 a.m., the 180 people who are in this room or so, there will be seven people there. And that's a great turnout. Any church, I've been in a lot of them, big and small. I realize that many people love God and they don't love praying. Or maybe they just don't really get or understand what prayer really is. Or maybe they love God and they understand prayer. They get it. But in their prayer life, maybe the fruit or the effectiveness of their prayers hasn't moved the needle enough for them. It hasn't turned out the way they wanted for them to really go deeper and engaging in having a prayer life with the Lord. All of that, it's very understandable. Tonight, I wanna to talk about three subjects when it comes to prayer that I hope will help us over some of the hurdles in our prayer life 
and eliminate some of the lies that the enemy lays in our path. The first thing is this, our position, our position. Prayer starts with understanding our position. If you guys are taking notes tonight, and I think this is, will be up on the slide, but please write this down. If you like Sean Walter and you like to live tweet, this is something that you can live tweet. <laughs> Prayer is not about the fruit and what we get out of it. It's about the root and who we get to do it with. Prayer is not about the fruit and what we get out of it. It's about the root and who we get to do it with. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 11. Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 11. And we'll be going through verse 25. Hebrews 10, 11. I'll pick up reading there. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. Verse 14, for by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds, I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember them no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter, everybody say enter, to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. Everybody say draw near. Draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as the day is approaching. Can everybody say amen to that? Guys, that is the gospel message of your life, what your faith is anchored in in 14 verses. That is the essence of it. That is the good news, the best news we've ever heard in our lives. In the old covenant, the, the, the Levitical priesthood and the sacrificial system there was one man permitted and allowed to go into the Holy of Holies, the supreme place of communion, intimacy, fellowship with God. One man, but many, 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 many sacrifices. Some generations later, there would be one man that would come to earth and offer one pure, spotless sacrifice. That perfect sacrifice tore the veil 
of the Holy of Holies and permitted everyone who believes, who believes or repositioned every one of us who believes entrance into that sweet place of intimacy and communion with God. Everybody say, that's good. Forever changing your position and offering you a seat with the king. Jesus and the work of the new covenant forever repositioned you. The work of the cross that we just read in those 14 verses repositioned you. And you were an extended and open invitation to sit with the king. Are you guys hearing this? To sit with the creator of the world where there's no barrier of intimacy and communion and fellowship. Jesus paid the price once and for all. And so now the veil was torn by the work of the cross. And now not one man, but any man who believes and puts his faith there is repositioned. What I'm describing here in all of this language is atonement. You have been atoned for. Literally at one meant. You have been brought back through the work of the cross to be at one with Abba Father. Folks, if this doesn't get you juiced, if this doesn't get you excited and passionate, I'm not sure what will because this is the very essence. It's the cornerstone of our faith. What he did, repositioning us so that with Abba There's no barrier. There's no barrier, but an invitation, an invitation to sit with the king, with the creator, and talk creation. Talk good, bad, and ugly. Talk whatever's on your heart and whatever's on your mind. Romans chapter 8, 14 through 17, you don't have to turn there. It says this, Romans 8, 14. For as, many as you, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. You received the spirit of adoption, whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Say those two words with me. Abba, Father. Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, if children, then heirs, heirs of God and, <laughs> and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Folks, not just repositioned, not just the invitation, and not just sons and daughters, co-heirs with Christ in his kingdom. The king, co-heirs with the king. And we're worried about like if he hears our prayers or if he will answer our prayers or if he actually knows how to answer our prayers the right way. We've got all of these concerns in our prayer life 
And I'm trying to tell you by the new covenant and the work of the cross that you have been repositioned in a place that you're not only a son or a daughter, but you're co-heirs. And it's all available to you right before you. Abba, Father, is yours. And he's saying, come, I'm here. I want a fellowship. I want to dine. I want intimacy. I want communion. I want fellowship. I want you. I want you. I want you. If we're going to dive deep in a life of prayer, okay, in fellowship and dialogue with the Lord, we have to understand the anchoring in of the new covenant and how it repositioned and the invitation that is always before us. If, if, you, if you can't embrace that and, and let the Holy Spirit deepen you in that, that it, it's going to be challenging because you're not going to understand your proximity to him. You're not going to understand the inv- uh, um, that there is always an open door there for you. We have to understand our repositioning. The second thing is this, our purity. Our purity. Prayer is not based in any way on performance or perfection but it does require purity. Amen? It's not based in any way on performance or perfection, but it does require purity. Wells of Living Water Commentary says this. I I love this. It says, we must learn that prayer depends in its effectiveness. Okay, don't check it out here. Prayer depends in its effectiveness upon the spiritual life of the one who prays. We do not plead our own worth, for we come to God the Father in the name and worth of the Lord Jesus. However, when we draw near unto God, we must cleanse our hands and purify our hearts. Psalms 24, 1 through 5, you don't have to turn there. It's a message that many of you are familiar with. I'll read it to you. The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and all those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend, who may ascend and go up to the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in the holy place for communion and fellowship and dialogue? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, verse 5, he shall... Receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Proverbs 28.9 says this, One who turns away his ear from hearing the law. In In other words, the one who makes the choice to willingly disobey and rebel. One who turns away his ear from hearing the law. Even his prayers are an abomination. Even his prayers are an abomination. Purity when it comes to prayer 
is where Satan lays a minefield, a minefield of lies and condemnation. We understand and we can wrap our minds around the first part of my message here, that repositioning, the work of the cross, the new covenant, that there is an open invitation. But boy, when we evaluate and take inventory of our purity, can the brakes be hit hard and going and ascending that hill? Maybe you haven't heard the enemy's voice in this exact way, but I think you can connect with the spirit behind the things that I'm about to say. Oh, you have too many issues. God does not want to hear from you. You have struggled with that sin for so long, your prayers won't even matter. You can't pray to God with the type of past that you have. You can pray all you want, But God does not hear you because you're just not good enough. Any of that sound familiar? Don't believe the lies. We trust that in the Lord there is purity. We come to the Lord to obtain purity. We obey the Lord to walk in. In purities. You guys hearing me? Let me say that again. We trust that in the Lord there is purity in Him. We come to the Lord to obtain, we come to the Lord to obtain His purity. We obey the Lord to walk out that purity. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 through 39. I'll read it to you. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We trust in the Lord, there is purity. We come to the Lord to obtain that purity. We obey the Lord to walk in that purity. You know, I was... You know, we're talking about prayer here and purity in prayer and coming before the Lord because there's this open invitation that he extends to us. But when we come before the the Lord, it's, it's a time to come before him with thanksgiving and praise, but it's a time for a cleansing and washing of the hands with thanksgiving and praise. And so I was thinking, you know, how does this 
play out as a day in the life of people. You know, I mean, uh, uh, people's prayer life, you know, as it mixes into their daily life and their work and their family and all of the extracurricular things they do. And, you know, I was thinking about, you know, the husband or wife or single person, uh, kids or not, and how you can get up in the morning and you get up in the morning and, man, maybe you're real hungry and you're like, you know, I know exactly what I want to eat this morning. I want bacon, eggs, and buttered toast. Can I get an amen? I want bacon, eggs, and buttered toast. So you're excited about it. You hop out of bed. It's like, okay, it's so good. You know, I, I, I know what I want to eat. That's a good start. And you get to the refrigerator, and it's like, man, I ain't got no bacon and eggs. I got a couple of slices of bread, though. I don't even got any butter. You plop those pieces of bread in the toaster, you toast them, they pop up, they're a little more burnt than you would like, and you're like, great, great, great. I know what I wanted to eat. I don't have what I want to eat. And what I do eat, I'm not going to enjoy it. You, you down your toast, and then you go back, and you go to your closet, okay? Your closet reminds you of prayer closet. And then you feel a little bit of condemnation because you thought, well, I should have prayed when I got out of bed. But then you get over the condemnation, and you look in your closet. And if you're a girl, maybe it goes like this. You look in there and you see a bunch of clothes. And there's really two sets of clothes. There's the set that, well, there's all these clothes, but none of those really go together. They don't really form an outfit. But then there's the ones that form an outfit. And, but I've been wearing those outfits for the past three or four years. Can I get an amen? Okay, well then, that's the girl. But the guy, he goes into the closet. Maybe this is just me. And I look at the clothes and I stop and I have to think, what clothes go together? You know, little pause. I thought that I could put clothes together, but then I got married. And I quickly realized that I'm not just partially colorblind, but I think I'm fully colorblind. Uh, no joke. So for 28, 29 years... I don't know what I was wearing, to be honest with you. And you folks didn't say anything about it. So I go and look in my closet now, and I look, and, and, and honestly, I go in there with a little bit of trepidation. It's like, well, I'm just going to pick things out, and I'm going to take them to Andrea. And then if she says, okay, I'll put them on my body, and I'll be about my business. So that's the way things go, okay? So you get clothes on your body, and you head out. Again, this is a day in the life. We're talking about prayer. We're talking about purity here in prayer. You get in your car and you head into work and you turn on the main road. And then all of a sudden you turn on that main road and this East Texas giant jacked up 4x4 truck cuts you off right in front of you. And on the back of it, and this is maybe for those of you who are maybe a, bent a little bit more democratic. In the back of it, it has a huge bumper sticker and it says, I love Trump. And immediately you're like, oh, this guy, this big jacked up truck, I love Trump. And you just begin to dice him up in your mind. You cut me off and you love Trump. How can you believe in that? And you're just spewing venom all over him. You're judging him left and right. Am I speaking anybody's language here? Or maybe, maybe you get into this main road and this Volvo car cuts you off. And maybe you're a little bit more of the Republican flair. On the back of this Volvo car, it says, Hillary Clinton should be president. 
and you start this Volvo. They don't even buy American-made stuff. They're driving a Volvo. They voted for Hillary Clinton. You're spewing venom left and right, judging them up and down. How could they do that? You laughing, boy. You guys, I see all these. You can see all of your faces right now. If we could do a collage of all of these and put a meme on Facebook. You get to work. Didn't eat what you want. Not sure what you're wearing matches. Judging this guy up and down for cutting you off. Political views. Get to work and one of your good friends comes over to you. They got their big old iPhone and they just come up to you and they're all excited and giddy. They say, look, look, look. And you're, you're trying to get your stuff down, get in your desk and get situated. And you look and they've got this picture on their iPhone of their backyard. And it is like this tropical oasis lagoon of palm trees and cold drinks and aqua-colored water in this pool and huge boulders and grottos with waterfalls falling down into it. And they're like, oh my gosh, I, our family had so much fun in, our, in the pool and backyard. And you're thinking the whole time, my backyard is brown grass and dirt. And you don't deserve that. I know about you. I know about you. I know the good, bad, and ugly about you. And you don't deserve that. I deserve that. Inside, just jealousy and envy coming off all of that judgment. Get through your work day and you come home. Spouse opens the door. And you don't even get in the house and the spouse does this. That number right there, you know what that look is? That means I don't care how your day was. My day was worse than your day. Get in here and help me. Everybody, anybody ever been there? Get in here and help me. So you're like, oh my gosh, oh my goodness. You, you finally get inside the house, deal with them kids. Kids are bouncing off the walls and you go and you deal with the kids. You're completely lacking self-control, laying into them in anger. It's a bad, bad scene. You eat your dinner, you get towards the end of the day, but as the house begins to calm, you feel the nudging, right? The tapping on the shoulder, that, that's the Holy Spirit. Saying, hey, I, I want to spend a little bit of time with you. I want to talk to you about your day. And you know that if you just set aside a moment to connect with them, that things would be different. But the reality is, is when you go before him, when you choose to engage with the Holy Spirit, with Abba Father, and fellowship in that moment, judgment, jealousy, envy, lack of self-control, anger, there's a wall stacked up of decisions and choices we made. And how can I commune? with the creator of all things? How can I fellowship and experience this and look at how I stewarded my day? Can I tell you all something super freeing? On your greatest, greatest pinnacle climax of a day, like I think I hit a home run. I'm pretty sure it wasn't just a home run. It was a grand slam. I don't even think I got close to sin on this day. It was pretty much a perfect day. Do you know that God doesn't love you anymore 
accept you anymore, forgive you anymore, believe in you anymore, desire you anymore than on your worst day. Are you guys hearing this? Then on your worst day, where you've stacked up bad after bad after bad after bad after bad, you know what he's still saying? Come on. Come on. I know how to deal with these things. And let's go back to what I started with. I can deal with these things because my son dealt with these things. So come on, cleanse your hands, purify your hearts. Robert Morris, the pastor of Gateway Church, I don't think this was actually a sermon of his. I think it was just like a side video I'd watched online. Um, They asked him about prayer, and and he said, you know, we come before the Lord with thanksgiving and praise. Thank you, Lord. Even in that day I just described, thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. I'm breathing. My kids are breathing. Thank you, Lord, for the work of the cross. Thank you, God. I praise you for your faithfulness. And then he said, you know what I pray next? In a spirit of thanksgiving and praise, I pray the things that are the most pressing on my heart and on my mind. And he just lays them out before the Father in a spirit of thanksgiving and praise. We trust that in the Lord there is purity. Folks, that's a big statement. We trust that in the Lord there is purity. Do you trust that in the Lord there is purity? We come to the Lord to obtain purity. We obey the Lord to walk in purity. The third and last thing is this. There's our position, our purity, and our personality. I've heard many believers, many believers say things like this. I just feel like God doesn't like me. Or that God is annoyed by me. Or that God just simply prefers other people. Doesn't like me, annoyed by me, just simply prefers other people. I've heard that time and time again. And I ask this, how in the world can we build a life of prayer, of communion, of fellowship, of intimacy with a God that, feels, that we feel like doesn't like us or that we annoy him or that he prefers other people. And I was thinking about this as I was preparing this message because I feel that's right, that we have those thoughts and we believe them on many levels. But I also, I also ask this, how audacious of us to think and then believe on some level that God made a mistake when he made you. Capital M mistake, that you're just a mistake, or lowercase m, that your life is just full of mistakes. Because that's really what we're saying, isn't it? That he, he made a mistake when he made us. Or I'm so full of mistakes that he just prefers other people, that I just annoy him. He doesn't really want anything to do with me. I want you to listen to this. Genesis 1, 26 through 27. Then God said, 
let us make man in our image. According to our likeness. Come on, people. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Let me take it into the New Testament. Acts 17, 24 through 28. God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. Verse 27. He did all of this so that they should seek the Lord. In the hope, in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. He just doesn't like me. He's annoyed with me. He prefers other people. God created you and you and you and you and you and you in his own image, in his likeness. And he did it in hopes that you would pursue him and reach out to him and find him. He created you exactly the way he wanted to create you. And folks, listen to me. I know that's challenging, but listen. His ways aren't our ways, his thoughts aren't our thoughts, but listen, his view of your life The way we view each other in this room, we have lenses, we have filters, we have perspectives, we have vantage points, and all of those aren't his. All of those are not his. Folks, he's got different lenses. He's got a different vantage point. He's got different perspectives. And he's got this filter called the blood of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice of which He can now have fellowship with us. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Charles Stanley, famous author, pastor, he said this, Although God cares about financial stability, world peace, and social justice, he has one great thing on his mind today. You. 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 You are his workmanship, his masterpiece. There is no one else exactly like you, and God cares for you with infinite watchfulness. He knows exactly how many hairs come out in your brush this morning. Your checkbook matters as much as the federal budget. Harmony in your home as much as harmony among nations. You got to stand up with me this evening.
Charles Spurgeon. He said this, Spend alone time with Jesus. It will be the most profitable time of your day. Spend alone time with Jesus. It will be the most profitable time of your day. Tonight, like every service at, at Soma, we, we do an altar call. And many times, you know, when we do an altar call, you can take communion or you can come up here and just kneel before the Lord and do business with God. Or you can come over to this side where we have elders, elders' wives, where you can receive prayer. And we can do that tonight, but I want, I, want to, I want to bring up three things tonight for prayer. I talked about our personality. And listen, before I even go any further, we are, we are called to respond to God's word. We are called to obey the Holy Spirit's leading in our life. And so I don't want you to leave this place without obeying the Lord, okay? We talked about personality. And if you were someone who has dealt with, been dealing with, or this has been something that has just kind of overcome your life, where you feel like, I have just felt the majority of my life like I was a mistake, like I am a mistake. Or on many levels that God made mistakes when he made me. I don't want you to leave this place without coming down to the front and having someone agree in prayer with you for greater freedom in your life. Amen. Because that is a lie from the pit of hell. You were uniquely created, and you don't have to walk out of here believing that tonight, okay? Do not walk out of here believing you are a mistake on any level. The second thing is purity. If you're someone that, I, I say it like this, who feels like you're just constantly hamstrung by impurity in your life, that can be a number of things, judgment, jealousy, envy, lust, Pride, don't walk out of here without coming down to the altar and letting someone agree with you in prayer and receiving greater freedom. The first thing I talked about was position. When I was talking about position and the new covenant and Jesus and being passionate about him and loving Jesus and how we've been repositioned, if I was talking about him and inside of you, you thought, I don't know that man, that God that he is talking about up there. I don't know it like that. I do not know it like that. I want someone to pray for me. Maybe, maybe you are saved. Maybe you just want to recommit, recalibrate and dial in. Don't leave here without receiving prayer. 